0: Okay, good evening. So we're, we're going to try to cover a lot in a short amount of time. So I want to try to start with the home and some background of what's necessary, what's unnecessary. I think the most important thing is to realize the differences between requirements and stringencies and beyond stringencies. And what's necessary, we'll try to go through that, I think, in a very clear, succinct way. And hopefully that could really give a clear picture of what's necessary, what may be unnecessary, what should be done, what should not be done. So I want to start with the background. The background is that the Torah requires one to get rid of chametz. Balirol, Balimatz, means to physically get rid of chametz, remove it from one's home, take it out. That's the basic requirement. We do beyond just removing chametz. We do really three things in terms of removal of chametz, and I think this will give us an understanding of what we should be doing in terms of these three different ideas. We do what's called B'dika. Now, B'dika, we usually think about in terms of the night before Hametz, the night before Pesach, going through the house. That's one aspect of B'dika. That's the final B'dika, we'll call it. But B'dika's Hametz, really Chazal referred to is checking the house and removing all Hametz from one's home. That's the overall B'dika, which starts whenever a person starts cleaning for Pesach, whether it's Shodesh Adar, Shodesh Shvat, Shodesh Sivan, whatever it may be. But that's the physical removal of Hametz from one's house. That's number one. The second thing we do is called bital. Bital is nullifying the Chametz, and we'll see where that fits in. It's another very important aspect of removal of Chametz. Not physically removing it, but it's physically or nullifying it, which we'll see actually is a real concept, not just a spiritual idea, it's a real concept of nullifying the Chametz. And then we do Mechir, we sell Chametz. And I want to try to just explain how these three work together, they do very much go together, and how that plays out in a practical way. So the Gemara asked the avi's question. The Gemara doesn't, doesn't talk about selling chametz, because selling chametz was a much later on phenomenon. It's not brought in the Gemara at all. The Gemara talks about the two first ideas, which is called badika and betel. Badika is removal of chametz, and betel is nullifying the chametz. And the Gemara asks, why do we need both for? Why don't we just do one or the other? Just either remove the chametz, take it all out of your house, or do bital, which is nullifying the chametz. And if you nullify it, as we'll see, that should take care of the issue by itself. That's the Gemara's question. And the Gemara explains as follows, a very important concept. The Gemara says, if I just did Bidika, that means if I just tried to remove all the chametz, it's a very obvious issue, I may miss something. And if you miss something, if it's owned by a person, which means that it's in your possession, you own it, even if you didn't see it, obviously, you still a person violates the issue of owning chametz and Pesach, which is going to be a Doraisa. and if we don't want to take any chances of missing something, the Gemara says, therefore, to Beto. Now, what does Bittel do? Bittel basically says that the chametz is considered to be what's called Afra which is dirt of the ground. It's not, I'm not, it's not significant. I don't want it. I'm not interested. And basically, it's a form of Hefkar, a form of nullifying the chametz from my possession, taking it out of my possession. I don't want it. I don't It's not interested in it. Nothing to do with me. Obviously, if I don't own the chametz. if it's not mine, no problem. I can have chametz in my possession, which is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. We'll see what has to be done to it, perhaps. But I certainly don't violate the Yisr of only chametz if it doesn't belong to me. So the Gemara says, okay, so just do bittel. Leave all your chametz in the house. Leave everything in your cabinets. Leave everything around. Just do bittel. Nullify all the chametz. Say, oh, the chametz is hafker. I don't want it. I'm not interested in owning it. It doesn't belong to me. So I have a very simple solution. I just save the entire Pesach cleaning. I can just do a very simple line. I a Pesach and say bittel. That's the Gemara's question. So the Gemara responds, there's two issues. If you just did bittel, number one, if you left chametz all around your house, you may come to eat it. Now, obviously, eating chametz on Pesach, whether it belongs to you or doesn't belong to you, is going to be a It's going to be a Torah prohibition. It's actually a pretty serious one. It's, it's, it's the punishment for that is Karius, which is a person being cut off. It's a pretty high level, and therefore, okay, you don't own it, and you do betel, but you may come to eat it, sitting around, you see a delicious cake, sitting in, in the thing, you may forget, Pesach, etc., you may come to eat. That's the, Gemara, the Gemara's first concern. And the second concern is that you may say the words betel, I don't want it, it's, I'm not interested, but I really don't mean it, especially if you have things which you really want to keep and they're expensive, or you're interested in having them, or you're interested in keeping them so the words you may use and say the idea of beto and speak it out and, and maybe mean it somewhat, may not fully mean it. So therefore you need to also physically remove the chametz so you don't come to eat it and don't come to want it by having leaving your possession. So it comes out as follows, and this is a very important concept, is that we all do bittal. Bittal is the night before, we actually twice, we do two different bittals, which we'll maybe get to a little later on when we do it twice, but we do a bittal, a clear bitel on the night after the Bidigas chametz, the final check, and the morning we do a second bitel just to cover everything that may have still kept over from breakfast, and may have kept something and still wanted it. So we do a second bittal, this way it's, everything is bittal. Okay, so the but we also try to remove the chametz from our possession. We also take, physically take it out. Because as we said, you may come to eat it or we may come to want it. But what's clear in the Gemara is that once you did both, you, you removed all chametz which you may come to eat or may come to want. That is the requirement. Anything which a person won't come to eat or won't come to want, bit suffices. And therefore, in, just in summation, what would mean is if a person has some chametz in a place in the house which they never come to eat and certainly don't want and they do betel, no problem. That would take care of the Isra of chametz. take care of the of only chametz. So for example, a person has a crumb of chametz in a place in their house, in a corner of a room in a house. So the possibility of someone coming to eat that is not a possibility. No one's coming to eat to from pick out crumbs from the corner of your room and eating them. And number two, obviously don't want that. No person doesn't want crumbs. And therefore, little suffices for that. So from a halachic perspective, the only chametz a person is required to actually remove from their home is the chametz which a person might want to keep or might want to eat. If it's neither of those, the chametz can technically stay there, no issue, and from a halachic perspective, there's no concern about that at all. No issue. That would mean, practically, a person cleaning for Beisach, so you go to a bedroom. What is a person looking for in a bedroom? Chametz you may want to eat, or may want to want, or may want to keep. That's all really, It's necessary, to remove. How long should that take to go remove that chameis, to look for that chameis in the bedroom? So where could it be? It's on the floor, it's on in front of you. It's, you open the drawers, and the person lo- looks in the drawers, and it can feel around maybe, make sure there's no bar- granola bars in there, make sure there's no bags of pretzels in there, make sure there's no things which person may want, and that goes through all the drawers, goes through what else is there to, to, to find. That's really all that's necessary. To move the bed, no requirement you can look underneath, because maybe there's a whole granola bar which to crawl under there, but you look underneath, you don't see any real hot there. That really takes care of the halachic requirement of, of cleaning a bedroom for Pesach. And it really applies really to really the entire house. We'll get to, besides places of eating, which we'll get to in in, in a few moments. But besides places of eating, that is really going to suffice as far as what's required from a halachic perspective. Taking anything beyond that is at we'll call it, at most in the world of Khumra, sometimes beyond the world of chumra, Which means that very often the idea of going above and beyond that becomes something which is, feel, people feel is necessary and, and required, which it's not. And there's no requirement to go anything beyond that. Is there any idea in the world of, of stringencies, etc., for the world of chumra? the Pesach, as it's called, to go beyond that, and to find the crumbs, perhaps something we've mentioned I think in the past and a very important perspective is that everything is a balance in terms of what's feasible, what's practical, what's possible. Right? Chaza obviously didn't want a person to do things which aren't feasible, practical, or possible, especially when it's in the world of Chumr, it's in the world of Halachat, So that's that's what the persons required to do. In the world of chumra, and sometimes even beyond the world of chumra, it's Chumre, the Chumre, it's, it's it's way beyond what's even required. There's certainly the balance is necessary, and doing things which a person who wants to, and is able to, and has the ability to go beyond that without coming at the expense of their and sanity, whatever else may be included in that perspective, that's, that's certainly perhaps a, a wonderful thing, but that's often not the case, and often the balance is not something which always gets weighed properly. But even more importantly is that what often happens is that the places where it is perhaps more important to focus on, often don't get focused on properly as, at the expense of doing things which aren't required. What does that mean? It means the place which is, which is more important, and really the highest level of focus should be on, is the places of eating. Which would include the kitchen, dining room, whatever a person would normally eat during the week on Shabbos, Yantiv, etc. Now why, why are those places somewhat different? The reason why those places are different is for a very important halacha. That... When it comes to Pesach, there's an unusual, we don't find this almost anywhere else, then mash, even the slightest bit of chametz, is not Batal, it's not going to become nullified, which means that if it, for example, normally during the year, a person has a piece of Chamar piece of pig that was, that was in their house, and fall into a pot of their Chalent, if it's 60 times the amount, that's Batal, it's nullified, it, you can ignore it, we don't have to do anything about that, it can be eaten. That question. al person, it sounds. Yeah. Uh, maybe a person might be repulsed by that, but a person that had a piece of pig that actually fell into the chalim path. small piece, no issue. Hamits is not that way. Chametz is a very unusual halacha. The chamitz is considered to be even the smallest, tiniest amount, not bottled, and therefore it would fall into this uh, a vat of soup, and a person had a small amount of, like one crumb fell in there, eating that crumb would still be an issue of eating chamitz is not considered a bottle in there. And therefore that could be the issue even the smallest amount of chametz that's in the place of eating, and has the potential, the possibility of ending up in someone's food while they're over Pesach, sometimes during Pesach, obviously is really where the real concern is. Obviously, where the higher level concern is, and not in terms of the other places which a person might eating anyway, and therefore taking take care of the issue much easier. And that's why I would say that often it gets skewed because there's a lot of focus spent on things which aren't necessary, which aren't required, which aren't halakhali at all in the world of, of requirement, and then as a result, sometimes minimal or not necessarily enough gets focused on we're supposed to be focused on, and that's really weird, sometimes the balance gets skewed so I would say that for the entire house the as, as we mentioned, getting rid of all that either person wants or may come to eat, is really where, what a person should focus on, that's the main thing a person should be doing, anything beyond that is, is would come after certainly taking care of the basic places, and only if it's feasible, practical, and not at the expense of some ches being anxious, causing anxiety, all the things that which often happen, which is at the expense, obviously, of using and appreciating the yantif the way, the way it should be appreciated. So let's then just go through mm-hmm. quickly the places of eating. Start with the dining room, which is a little bit easier. So dining room, we're dealing with tables and chairs, basically, and the floor. That's, that's basically what what is there. So there, the, again, the aspect of finding crumbs is something which is important because even going through, let's say, chairs as, as an example, right? Very often chairs have things get stuck on the sides, and the back, wherever there's material and there's a place for things to get stuck. That's something which a person should go through and make sure that they can remove anything there. There are sometimes things get stuck in cracks and crevices. If it can't come out, it's fine, whatever is there, if it's deep inside the chair and some sort of crack in there, it's not going to come out, there's no issue with that, because the issue, as we said, was it might end up in food. If it can't come out, there's no issue with that. Sometimes there are places that are hard to reach, but who knows, I'm scared, it might come out, etc. So the simple solution the post can give is that at that point it can be nifka. Nifka means to ruin it, and ruining it means that something which is not at all fitting, that even a dog would eat it is not considered to be chametz anymore. There's no status of chametz. It may be something which is even a large piece of something. If it's nifkam, it's something which is ruined to the point that even a dog won't eat it, there's no issue with that. So spraying it with something which would be toxic, whatever, bleach or anything of that, you know, something with bleach in there, which would be somewhat toxic, would certainly not be nechal chiles kelev, and that point that would be certainly Fine. So that could be something, again, if it's scared, it might come out, and you, want, you don't want to make sure that, and if it's hard to get or hard to reach, that would be a simple solution to do that. At that point, we no longer required to do anything further. So
1: if a, something would get dislodged that has been chemicals
0: applied, no issue. not worry about what happens. Correct. Correct. I don't know if you want to in the food. But, yeah, I mean, but um, but correct. But ta- yeah technically, that's fine. Yeah, no, it doesn't have, doesn't have a status of hummus anymore. Once something is no longer edible, even to a chiles kelvin, to a dog, it doesn't have a status of chametz. It's actually considered to be not, not chametz. You can leave it in your house, you can actually have it in there, and there's no issue with that. Once it's rooted out to that level. So that's going to be the chairs, particularly. Obviously the floor will be, you get a good sweeping et cetera, to make sure the crumbs are, are removed. The table, and this is something which is a, a, a mini, but it's become somewhat of a mini Yisrael, and they accept a mini Yisrael, that any place that food is put down on During the year, should be covered on Pesach, and therefore certainly a table. If a tablecloth always there, that would be sufficient. But generally, we take it one step further because often tablecloth comes off, and during during you know it's switched, etc. So we try to any place the food is put down directly on, obviously chametz. We try to cover that with a some covering, foil, paper, etc. As a covering which will remain in the entire Pesach, and then a tablecloth put on top of that. That would be the way to, ver- to ensure that it's always covered. It's always covered. It's a place with food, which is, again, the most highest level. You don't want the place of food to be exposed, covered. Even if it will be clean, even if we look it over well, it should be covered. It's a place with food itself. And that would be the table, therefore, should be covered. Again, silver foil, paper, et cetera. And then on top of that would go the tablecloth. Therefore, even when it's removed, it's still going to remain covered. So that's really the dining room, which, is, again, not so complicated. The chairs may be slightly complicated, but as we said, there are simple ways to avoid any difficulty in terms of removing things the kitchen that's again probably obviously the the most most in terms of strictness the highest level because they were dealing with where the food is made and where food ends up so that's going to be the necessity of making sure that number one all places the food go is covered and that would include pantry refrigerator freezer counters etc now counters can be cashered as a possibility most counters can be cashiered. Um certainly if they're stone um which is common, um, they can be countered. they can be kashered. Metal obviously can be kasher, which is most counters are not metal, for mica is questionable in halacha if it can be kashered. It's, it's a type of plastic, basically, and we hold the halacha we don't kasher plastic for Pesach. There are different opinions about that, but the opinion that we follow is that we don't kasher plastic for Pesach, and therefore that's something which should not be kashered. But if it was stone and metal, that technically can be. It is probably more recommended and I recommend people not to not to cashier um, counters um, for two reasons. Number one is that the covering really has an advantage over cashuring because the potential again of things being stuck there or things being stuck without that, noticing that it's still I can't say a, large, a high possibility but certainly something which is a possibility if it's covered, it's not getting anywhere obviously it's totally covered, it's not going anywhere. And number two, the ability to cashier properly is not easy um, for a few reasons. Number one the mess that it makes and therefore doing it properly is not so easy and we'll get to cashing in a moment which is one major challenge in cashing, especially large areas that's very hard to do properly. So cashing is very hard to do properly, number one. Number two is that even a cashing of boiling water is not so simple that it actually works for counters. Um, the reason why is because food is, I can't say often, but certainly sometimes put directly on the counter hot food and it's not, halakhli is questionable if actually cashering would remove the absorptions in the counter from something which half food is put directly down on. Again, it's not so common. We put food, half food directly on the counter. It's certainly full sometimes. And therefore, as far as recommending using just cashering, we're not recommended. I think it's, it's preferable to cover it. Some people actually do both, cashering and covering. It's not required. Once it's covered, there's no requirement to casher. If someone has that mint, they certainly can do so. But as far as the preference of cashing versus covering, I think um, covering is a, is a preferable option. It's also much easier, technically, just uh, than, than doing it. And the other challenge which I was alluding to before, which was particularly relevant in large areas, is that when a person caches with, with pouring water, every spot has to actually be hit by the direct stream of the water. Which means that if I just pour on a counter and let it run down the counter, there's not a acceptable cashing, which is often the way people assume that can, that's going to be okay. It's not acceptable. actually has to hit their extreme from the water, and that's something which is quite difficult to do in a large area. I mean, you have to get a lot of water and keep on doing it along there. We'll get the sinks in a moment. sink is generally a much smaller area, and it's much easier to do, but a large area is very, very difficult. So the possibility of doing the cashing, the difficulty of doing it, doing it properly, and even if it's done properly, it's not so clear that it's even sufficient. I think, therefore, it's recommended to cover the counters, and that's a much more preferable way of doing so. Yeah.
1: even granite you're saying
0: I would, I would still recommend yes again it can be cashered I would still recommend in terms of for all the reasons mentioned mm-hmm. that covering is, is preferable from a halachic perspective rather than just you know than just cashering yeah. the other places which often will be cashered is the sink right number one the sink itself so that will depend on, number one the material if it's a ceramic sink that cannot be cashered and the only way to use that is by covering it Generally, an insert would be the best way of doing so. And it's not so easy to find inserts in Cincinnati or wherever they will be found, but if, if you can't find an actual sink insert, it have to be somewhat covered with silver foil, et cetera. Not a very um, simple to do at all. That's if it was ceramic. Um, a stainless steel sink can be cashier. It's metal. It can be cashered. Again, the idea of doing it properly is something which takes a little bit of forethought and effort in terms of, again, each part being hit by a direct stream of water depends, again, how wide the sink is and how, how big it is, how feasible that is. But again, it's, it's something which, which is much, much more feasible dealing with a much, much smaller area rather than a counter, which is a much larger space. So a sink can be done. It to be done at each spot being hit by a direct stream of water. Generally, the bottom is done at once. If you have a large pad of water, the whole bottom can be done at once. And the sides independently. The faucet should be done independently. And hopefully all those things being done in a way which is going to be hit from the direct stream of water.
1: Can you use your kettle from during the year for-
0: Yes, so you can use a, a pot or a kettle during the year as long as it's not been used within 24 hours. You can use that, use that for cashering. Uh, so a kettle actually is challenging to use for cashering in general only because it's a very small stream. So exactly this issue is, oh, okay. gets much more challenging. The smaller the stream of water is, the harder it is actually to use it for cashering properly because, again, if you have a large stream of water, so it's going to hit direct from the pot in a much, much larger space. Use the kettle. Basically, it's going to be pouring a very, very small, small space.
2: What about
0: the steam iron? So, steam iron, steam iron is, is questionable if steam can actually be used for cashering. There are opinions that say it's, it's acceptable. I mean, the opinion that I generally follows that I do not use, recommend steam for cashering. There's a question of if it's actually if it's, it's acceptable for cashering because generally water is what's necessary. There is a steam cashering that actually expels water. Um, I was told someone looked into it, and to they told me it's like over a thousand dollar machine uh, in order to get one that actually expels water, which I believe was necessary for cashering. The ones that just expel steam, the uh, thing is not preferable. It's not, it's not should not be used for cashering. So that's in terms of the of, of the sinks, which is stainless steel, which can be cashered. Obviously, the ovens and um, stove tops need to be cashered as well. They cannot just be used; they're used with heat the whole year round. Self-clean certainly is going to be sufficient. That's the highest, what's called Lieben Hamer, the highest level of koshering. If that's done, it doesn't need 24 hours. It can just be done as is. Everything in there is technically burnt out, all things in there. Whatever's left afterwards is charcoal, and there's no concern or anything afterwards. The only thing that about a self-clean is that often the door itself, especially if it's glass, does not get as hot as the inside of the actual oven. And if it's recommended, and, and the proper thing is to actually cover the door, use a silver foil, we just covered with layers of silver foil, tape it over, and that should be the inside of the door covered because it does not get as hot as the rest of the, as the rest of the oven does. Again, it does get pretty hot, but not, it doesn't reach the level of Lieben Khamer. And if, I think if it would have probably it would crack, especially if we have a glass on the door. So that's why it's preferable to cover that. If one doesn't have self-cleaning, which still the old ovens don't, so that's still can be cashing. that would definitely be a lower level cashering called Lieben Kal. It would definitely need 24 hours of shutdown before kashering. It would obviously need to be cleaned very well because things don't get just burnt up into charcoal. They do somewhat remain in there. It's a cashing mm-hmm. more of the bleus, the absorption, than actual pieces in there. So it has to be cleaned very well and afterwards left on the highest temperature for about an hour. And that would be a sufficient cashing if self-clean wasn't an option. In terms of the stove tap, which the actual burners, so burners need to be cleaned well. The space in between sh- should be covered. reason why is because... Does nothing really cacher?s The the fire it doesn't reach there, and doesn't the cacher doesn't really spread to the um, in between spaces. So we cover that with foil. In between the actual burners themselves, will be cachered. To the past of leaving them on for a half hour, the proper and best way, if it's possible, is to cover them with something while they're being cachered, which spreads the heat very evenly. Right? A person has a blach um, that can be um, that can be used to, uh, the block has to be clean, but it can be used to spread the heat, a pot can be used technically in the same way, so you obviously want to make sure it's clean before putting any pots on there, and that can, that can be used to spread the heat, either one of those would be an acceptable thing, just the way you spread the heat, so that's the basic um, kitchen, one of the things just to mention is, microwaves, dishwashers, both of those should not be cashered, um, microwaves are plastic inside, and like I said before, we don't, they're not cashed plastic for Pesach and dishwashers are generally plastic inside as well, many of them. There are are stainless steel dishwashers. Even the stainless steel dishwashers, they're very, very difficult to clean. The bottom of it, often gets is is almost impossible to really sufficiently clean properly, and therefore they should not be cashew. So we would not recommend cashew. You do those with Pesach. Again, ovens are fine, and the stovetop. Yeah? And the faucet, we just cover. it the same way we... Correct, same same bowling attack. I recall last year that the
2: prov, I think, said that I should take um, take 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 the pot up to the tip of the faucet and just kind of put it up so that the tip goes in it, if, in addition. So, uh, I'm not sure if
0: that was exactly Yeah, either. so again, there, there is a pro- it's not necessary to do that. If it's poured over, um, that's fine. The The question would be if you have a, if you have a, um, a faucet Right, which which comes off is there a preference yeah. to change that, or there? so if it doesn't come off, I would, it's a preference to do that. It's unnecessary as long as it pouring pouring hot over that to be sufficient uh, to do that. Yeah, they they goes over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not uh, I would not be concerned. You're on that would, uh, it's probably an advantage of doing that, but okay, so uh, yeah, I'm, just, yeah. Do that. yeah, for sure. It, it's it's advantageous <laughs> of doing that. I think it's necessary. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I covered the bottom of my oven with foil and the foil never would come off. I mean it's like practically ruined. Right. But I think the same thing would happen if you did it on the door. So they make these like oven liners that are <coughs> foil pans. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking probably be better to get that heavy it's like a foil pan Interesting. And, okay. and take
1: that
0: on because yes. Right. I could
1: just really you it glass the slat for the vent. We've had bad experiences. Right. We've right. Cover the vent. If, right. right. Yeah. If, if, if it vents out, right. it mm-hmm. Right.
0: I mean, we've covered with foil. I haven't found an issue, but. Well, I had it. somebody so, stay at my house, Akash. Oh, yeah. I stayed yeah, at yeah. the sure. house and,
2: and grease dropped down and then it baked on. And I never, I mean, it's been a couple of years. Really? Is it at the bottom of the oven you put silver foil? Mm-hmm. Yes. On the very bottom
0: of the oven. It's uh-huh. a self-worn yeah. oven. House? I don't think it's necessary. It's once it's self cleaned, so, anything which is deal, you do. Ah, okay. <laughs> <that> okay. <laughs> the Fine. Right. right. <laughs> the space age <laughs> look is <Yeah>. right. <laughs> right. So that's the, I, I think that, that covers uh, the basic house. Again, uh, the focus, the places where they had the crumbs make a difference, the rest of the house, the crumbs don't make a difference. Leave them there. Let so, them stay there. Let them be, let them, uh, let the mice enjoy them. If yeah.
1: You cover something and it wasn't like 100% clean in the kitchen, because you're covering it, you're, yeah. you're fine.
0: Yeah, if, if, as long as it's covered, the covering stays, no issue. Yeah. Glass like,
1: cooktops are.
0: Mm. Yes, yeah, so the glass cooktops are, are complicated. It goes back to kashering glass for Pesach, which we generally don't kasher things besides metal for Pesach. And halach, we hold their problem, except that if someone has an so yeah. We we do we do allow them um, to be used. Food that full, They we should put the same thing. Put them on. They can't be covered really. That's part of the problem because they, they, I think the covering them, they say will will so crack are, them. I got some yeah.
2: dish racks for mine. Okay, so that, that's right. That, that are just having, raise every right. It just raise yeah. the pot. It takes a long time to get the water to boil. Yeah. But, uh-huh. uh, but it does. It's like a it's a dish rack, and so it's big enough. You need to put the other bottom of the sink. It's mm-hmm. like what you might put in the bottom of the sink. It's metal, right. stainless steel. And I bought it at Bed Bath & Beyond. Really? And it fit It could be like it, a cooling shop, also. Like a cooling yeah, it's like, it a, it's like a cooling rack or something. Right. And you can and I put the pot on. So this way it's not on the
1: stove itself. Right. So Would right. you be able to use chicken coop wiring? Because that's what we have. We have chicken. We have what cooking. does that, that mean? A, mean? a, a wiring.
0: A, a Which you, sh- you put over sh- the. You a
1: have a glass. No gas, we
0: do. We still put that over. Interesting. Same, just as a as a covering. As a covering, I wonder if you could use that. They would smash the glass. Right. Stuff. This uh, is smooth. Yeah. I'm not sure. Not sure. What to know yeah. about
2: lining refrigerators, freezers?
0: Yeah. So, like we mentioned before, the meaning is to cover anything which food a place food. place okay. the food is placed should be covered. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's why we, that's where it comes from this idea of covering cabinets, refrigerators, freezers. Mm-hmm. Food is placed there, even if it's not always placed there. Open, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was not always placed. They're open. Often it's placed in packaging. Anything. The meaning is to cover all places the food go to. Do we cover just the, just the surface the shelf of the food? Yeah. The wall? Just just where the food sits on. Yeah. Just, just the food. The wall just gets wiped down. Yeah. Walls right down. Not necessary to cover, but the place where the food actually goes and sits on that should be covered. So the shelves should be covered. The door sections where the food sits on should be covered. Drawers. Should have a lining or something in, in, the, in the drawers where the food sits. It's a minig. It's not, it's not, it's not necessarily halachic, dealing with, you know, obviously you know, it's generally cleaned. Um, but being there, food does go there and the possibility of something staying there, and being stuck there, which is why we cover them. Um, I um, have a cabinet that has my um, easers in it and it
2: has other random things like
1: bang, bang,
2: bang. Candies and antibiotic cream and Tylenol, whatever. So, if I'm gonna take those out and wipe it down and cover it, can I still put the azers back in in case I need to know someone's address? Or like I mean, because I wouldn't consider them clean, so I like right. to put them in a different room for visa. When I need to consult them, I just go look at them and in, the, right. in the playroom and.
0: Yeah, I mean again, the the only issue would be technically if there was a crumb that was in there. I mean if if you look at it and it's caked with Well people take things. it and put it on a Right, count, out right. 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 correct, right uh, correct. There. So right. So I, I probably would not put I would not take it and put it on the counter for sure what not. Do you think? Right. So I would be careful about certainly try to clean it out. If you want to use over Pesach, flip it through, try to, you know, clean it out, get any any potential crumbs out of there. Um but yeah, but something still goes on the counter or right really not keep in the kitchen and just Keeping somewhere else is fine, okay. and opening is fine, but the potential possibility of there's something which is in there ending up on the kitchen somewhere is probably not advisable. I yeah, yeah. said so that.
2: Let's just assume I know where
0: everyone lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just one, yeah. We were saying that leave like the little crumbs wherever they are,
2: because
0: it's fine. But toddler, uh, that wasn't unconfirmed. So it's still. It's, our responsibility of removing hametz is not for the possibility, of, the possibility of a toddler eating something off the floor. That, that's not, first of all, does not even a you know, at, at that age. It's no requirement. And that possibility, for sure not. It's only even, not, I can't feed him hametz. I can't give him, even the, the youngest child. But only a remote possibility of finding something in a corner somewhere and is thinking, yeah, it's not something I'm, I'm required to, to deal with before Pesach. And that really would just maybe the last point to mention, you know, toys and of the like, right? The, the fact that there may be, you know, crumb stuck where, stuck somewhere, and, and it's not, again, no one's eating that crumb, besides maybe a towel that may fish away, and, and that's not part of what's required. So as long as you make sure there's no real chameze, no bags of pretzels, there's no bare, granola bars, whatever they may be, it's all that's required in toy rooms, playrooms, cetera, and nothing more than that. Um, you, you mentioned also just about, you know. Books and svarim, which is another important important point, that books and svarim, again, if they won't be used, and there's no, they're just going to sit there on the shelf, that's fine, no reason to do anything to them, leave them there. Books which which will be used diff so again, if they were things that were brought to the table throughout the years, so sometimes they have a book that's used by the shabbos table, etc., that obviously either should not be used at all, or not be brought solely to the pesach table, right, even at Sh- and should be. Shaken out beforehand if you want to use it over, over Pesach, but it should not be brought to the table. And that's why we don't ventures, we don't use it at all. Ventures are put away, ventures is by the worst uh, criminal in terms of storing crumbs. And we certainly not use those and, over, over Pesach. Safe, which has to be used, has to be used certainly should be shaken up beforehand and they're not brought to the table at all over Pesach. But any of the other books, Svarim, etc., which are not going to be used, were not brought to the table. That's fine. There's no concern about them. Whatever's there is there. I mean tiny kind that might be stuck in there. It's fine. It can stay in there as long as you don't bring that to the table, bring it to a place of eating. No concern about that. So, yeah.
1: Um, so just going back to the kitchen for a minute, but um, we like is it do we not talk about like like blow or these sink, you know, immersion boiler uh, thing is because they're just not practical? Or do so, you against them? No,
0: so I, I, not, I mean, so I personally do, do use it's called evan Evmolobin basically is a stone which is, gets heated up, and the water is poured over that. Um, there is a advantage to that from a halakhic perspective. Immersional and we do the same thing technically because it heats up. The, the reason the the reason for that is because the water which is being poured is already going through cold air, <coughs> and cold air cools down. So cooling it down brings it down one level lower in terms of cashering. So an immersion blender would basically cook it inside the sink. Using the stone and pouring it over there basically cooks it, it keeps it hot while it's being poured down. And there's an advantage to that, not required halakhically. So as long as it's a cashering done, done with boiling hot water, that is a sufficient cashering. And water is not necessary, immersion blenders aren't necessary, the stone is not necessary, but there is a halachic, I'll call it a level of homer for that. that.
2: Did you you say not to use the sink for 24
0: hours? I'm sorry, thank you. Yes, thank you. I did not mention that, but thank you for pointing that. Yes, the sink is not the same same as the, anytime using any cash besides what's called liben homer, the highest level, like the the, um, self-clean, it always needs 24 hours. Thank you. Yeah.
1: If you're using a pot or a kettle from during the year and you're using your stove to heat it up, does that mean you have to not have koshered your stove if you have gas? Does that mean like it, it would make it non-pesetik if you've already koshered? Like do you have to kosher your stove after you heat it up? The you're water saying using water using a pot sink? for what for for so koshering?
0: So you'd use again yeah, a non-pesetik pot. just not. But as if 20. you're
1: using a pesetik pot, sorry, sorry non right. a pot.
0: Yeah, we, I would use an ester pot, which has not been used in twenty-four hours,
1: and it doesn't affect the stove.
0: Correct. Correct. Okay. I would I would not use a pastry bag because until it's cleaned and cashiered. So the stove itself put, can be used. The stove itself can be used, and then correct, and then and put for the, the put, of correct, correct. For a as long, for as long, correct. As long so as correct, as long as it's not used for non Correct. correct. That that's what I should be used for the cashering. That's the easiest, simplest.
2: I'm going away. I said you were going to talk.
0: Yes, about I'm getting to. that. Yeah, a lot to cover. Yeah.
2: The sink can't be used
0: at all, or just for hat? Can't be, correct. Technically, it can't be, can't be used just for hot. hat. Oh, gets tricky, because once they using it, uh, right. technically, it's right. just for hat. Right. hat. Right. Like, well, like right. yeah, there's always,
2: you know, someone takes Correct. My From a locker
0: perspective, as long as there's nothing hat, that's fine. But we recommend not using it just to avoid using it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Now,
1: <laughs>
0: now, in terms of going away, this is where it comes to touch. We mentioned way back in the beginning, in terms of selling, and this is just to to go over this concept. of where selling fits in at all. It means we did Bidika, we did betel. So what's not what's required anymore after Bidika and betel is nothing really necessary. So why do we sell? So selling obviously is for things I do want. I want to keep them. I want to have them, and there's halachic clear. Uh, Sale, which is which is done, which actually makes it not what doesn't not owned by a person, and what's not owned, there's no issue. I can have a greatest chametz in my in my property, and from a halachic perspective, there's no issue with with, with selling chametz. From it's it's done with, with a real uh, Kenyan, a real, and the fact that one knows they're going to buy it back is really irrelevant. And Sholmzaal and Orbach used to give the example. He said, imagine a person sells a pen to someone, and their intention was to buy it back afterwards, and the person says, well, I don't want to sell it back to you. So is the sale valid? Of course the sale is valid. And the person actually can keep it, and, and there's no, no requirement to give it back. It was, the fact that I had mine to buy it back, okay, this person says, that's fine. right? We don't, we don't build that into the stipulation, but it's sold. The fact that he knows he'll buy it back, or the fact that we plan to buy it back, is irrelevant to the sale. It's a fully binding sale, and there's no question as far as the sale working. Okay. Now, there are two points to add to that. One is... Is that certainly even chametz which is sold and owned by a non-Jew cannot be exposed in the house. Exposure obviously will go back to our old issue of Mechon to be eaten. And from there, and it's, it's sold, that's something which is, which is a problem. Which really, the Gemara actually requires what's called a machitza of 10 Tzvachim, which is like uh, about 35 inches, to be placed in front, in front of chametz. Now, the reason why we don't usually use a machitza is because usually chametz is not just sitting in the middle of the living room, and if it was, you put a machitza around it, that would be the way of dealing with it. But if it's in a closet or a cabinet that itself serves as a separate room or a separate entity and therefore that just as long as it's clearly separate and it should be marked it needs to be marked because if it's not marked it really doesn't do anything if if there's a door there the door can be opened so it doesn't have to be physically locked but as long as people realize it's not supposed to be opened that's a requirement in terms of selling chametz someone's going away technically can sell their entire house and actually it's a a little bit different in terms of the sale because when a person is home and they're selling the chametz, they're not selling the actual home, because they're living there, and they can't sell the actual home, they're selling the chametz itself, which is going to be stored in X places, wherever those places are. The person who's leaving actually doesn't just sell the chametz, actually they rent the home more than selling it, it's a rental of the home, and that is a perfectly acceptable, from a halacha perspective, a person can do that, and then they, all the chametz is there, and they don't have to have any requirement to check their house at all, because it doesn't belong to them. Hasn't been rented by non-Jews. Being the chametz is, is not theirs, and that that's really going to, be, going to be sufficient totally for the requirement of making sure there's no chametz in, one, in one's possession. The flip side of that, and this thing to keep in mind, is that one the, one who does go away, but is staying somewhere for Pesach, whether that's going to be in a somewhere a relative, it's going to be in a hotel, whatever they're going to stay, they have a requirement of Vedika in that place. Why? Because it's not ownership which actually makes a bedikah. It's the fact that a person is even borrowing or renting, right? even for the, just the eight days of Pesach. They have requirements. Now your possession, at least for those amount of days. And a person who is staying somewhere else needs to make sure that there's no chametz there. And really, again, if they get there before this year, Thursday night, they wish to do a bedikah then. If they get there on Friday, they do a bedikah then because that's when, and B'dikah just means, again, going through, a bracha is only made Thursday night, so if they get there, let's say, Friday, we we'll don't we'll do, we'll do it with the bracha, but they need to make sure there's no chametz there. Same thing we said till now. Go through the room, make sure there's no real chametz there, which one might come to eat, one come to want, check the drawers, under the bed, around the, that's, that's a requirement, that persons person cannot stay in a place which is not called badak, which is not called, baddik, is not called um, checked, and that's a very important requirement to keep in mind, that even if one is going away, they need to B'dikah where they're going and that's going to be part and parcel of making sure that there's no chametz found there. So they can perhaps sell their entire house and, and or rent their entire house and sell all the chametz, and that's going to be certainly taking care of that, but the, wherever they're going to be staying is going to still be an issue and making sure we're doing a boutique there. So the whole
1: concept of, like, if you're leaving before Pesach, how, well, how much ahead of time before Pesach would you still have to B'dikah or not? Is really irrelevant? It's
0: that's irrelevant. If, if it's irrelevant if, if the Nechir is done, we do actually, what we do is, we do two different sales. We do a sale, which is a, a new Gimel, which this sale will be on Thursday. And as long as the person is no longer in possession of their home, because they're already rented out, by the time Thursday night kicks in, there's no requirement to B'dikah at all. And that's, we do that that sale is done for all those who are not going to be home. Those who are all going to be on the Nechir is done the next morning, you're Dalid, on, which is this year, Friday, because they are, they are going to keep their house. They will do a bidika. They just want to sell the chamez, which is in a cabinet or wherever else it's going to be. So there's two different sales that we do, depending if the person's staying or not staying. But correct, if someone is going away, as long as they're leaving before Thursday night, before Mishkiah um, on Thursday night, there's no requirement to anything more than just rent and, and then sell the chamez. And then do a
1: bidika on wherever, wherever you're
0: they're going, going to be. be. Correct. Your car or your. Correct. Your so well, actually, so a car. It, there is a requirement um, from, a, from a practical sense to make sure that your car is, if you can use it, to make sure there's no chametz in there um, it's, it's, it's not so simple as actually a regular chi, as chametz on that because it's, it's Kalim. it's not really a, a bias the chi, is really a bias, on calem but a person should at least go through make sure there's no chametz in there from a practical sense not necessarily from a halachic, dikas chametz sense would they make a bracha where they're
1: going?
0: yes, for sure on for sure.
1: somebody else's property? it's, like it's, it's yours What's
0: what's theirs? The room, two rooms, whatever you have been given for Pesach is your, is yours. They're, they're not gonna th- take it back, right? They're Not gonna throw you out in the middle and, and. If you're going, so if you're going to your parents for Pesach, you're
1: going yeah. to your family for Pesach. Yeah. Like if they, so they, they gave you a room, they have sleepover the rooms. Yeah, they, 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 to get they, something correct, covered.
0: but they they gave it to you. If all doesn't they gave it to you. It's no different than a hotel, and it's, so it's, so it's yours for 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 Pesach. For so it's, really it's, for you know, it's for sure. Zachir and with the bracha. Yeah. There's no what question. With the bracha. If it's Thursday night. Assuming, assuming it's Thursday night. If it's, if, again, the bracha is only made Thursday night. Assuming it's Thursday night, it's with the bracha, without question. If that became your room, was given to you, well, at least for, again, it's going to be yours over, at least for part of Pesach, right? Well, it's, the, even the, it's the first days. What's yeah. considered Thursday night, though? What if you getting? This? Anytime Thursday night, before all this. I mean, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, anytime Thursday night, they would make a bracha on that, mm-hmm. as long as it's um, sometime during the night on Thursday. And again, if, if someone's there earlier, they should do it earlier, but if not, and they would do when they got there. I should do, they should do a batikah that night with a bracha. If
2: there's a coffee maker in the room that's been used during the year, or maybe even coffee or something, right. what do you do with
0: that? So, it, it's hard to say, again, it, it, exactly what happened to it and what it was used for and what it wasn't used for. Probably, if in a hotel, I would assume it's probably only used for, for coffee. I probably wouldn't use it on Pesach sometimes who knows what person people can use it for. But you don't have to do anything more than just not use it. You just put it away in the cabinet and just not use it, I wouldn't, nothing more than that is required. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, a few minutes left, I want to just try to cover at least um, basic products, which is uh, important, particularly in terms of medication and toiletries, which are the, always the two things that come up the most in terms of Helche's Pesach and how they're, how we consider them, how we view them, there, there's two different aspects when it comes to medication and toiletries, number one, some medication first. Medication is is very complicated, because much of the things which may be in there technically can be chametz. There are certainly things which can be chametz. There is chametz in, in, in certain things. But there are two important questions that one has to ask if it's going to be a possible question or not. Number one is that, how is it being consumed? A medication that's being consumed in a pill form, which means it's being swallowed, it's called shloka derech achil. It's not a normal way of eating. Swallowing things, not chewing them, is not a normal way of eating. And therefore, if a person is achola, which is normally why pills are taken, because there's some level of achola, some need, some medicinal need, something which is shloka derech achila, not in, in a normal way, is no issue at all as far as Pesach. And therefore, anything which is in a pill capsule form can be consumed as regular on Pesach, as long as it's for achola. If it's not for achola, then usually it's not being consumed. The exception might be vitamins. Vitamins often is not necessarily for a could because sometimes people just take my vitamins. Those would be a potential question, and that has to be checked into. Is there a potential hummus issue? Is there a kidney issue? And that often, that's where the lists may come in handy and will be important, but the list should not be used, and it's actually often counterproductive when they're used for someone who's a hola, and often people stop taking medication, which I've found that people stop because they're concerned. If it's for a cholah and a pill form is not even a question, it should be taken, consumed as regular. If it's something which is again not for a cholah, so then that should be checked into. The second question is: is that if it's in a chewable or or liquid form that is consumed regular? Chewing something is a regular consumption. Liquid is a regular consumption, and that needs to be made sure that there's um, no chametz or kidneys in there. However, even there, there's only an exception, and depends is the substitution possible. What level of necessity it is? The person should not stop taking anything. Certainly not for children, which is children are always always considered a cholah. By definition, they're considered a chola. and therefore there's certainly much room to be lenient. But that's again with the possibility or the requirement of checking. Would come in things which are of that nature, which are in chewable or liquid form, and again kidneys. It's clear halacha. There's no issue for a cholah for a child at all. That means if it's something which only kidney issue, which many many of the things are only kidney issues. Shachnax says clearly if for a cholla, they're fine. Someone who's unwell is fine. Someone who needs it for medicinal need is fine. For children, they're fine. So, generally, things that would show only kidneys would not be an issue when it comes to a cholla, those should be checked into. So, that's the basic um, medicinal medication rules, depending on how they're consumed and depending on what level of issue is it's a kidney issue, a chomics issue, which often can be checked into and researched and found out what's in there. As far as other products, so products such as toiletries, things of that nature. So there's lists and lists and lists of what can be, what can't be used. Those those lists are not based on on halacha criteria per se. They're sometimes based on way beyond halacha or even what's necessary for a person to to be doing. Uh, The way we follow halacha is as follows. And what's necessary to check if it has an issue of chametz is only things that are in a liquid form or things that are consumed in some level, going into the mouth or, or on the mouth. Meaning, if it's in a non-liquid form, it's in a solid form, like just soaps and shampoos and creams, etc., there's no issue at all. Those things are, are called nifsal mikilas caleb, as you mentioned before. There's, they're not considered chametz. Even if there's real chametz in there, there's wheat in there, right? There's soap bars made from wheat. Right? But those things, a dog... I don't have a dog, but I can pretty much guarantee you've fed that soap bar to a dog, I don't think he's going to eat it. And there would not be any question of them that thing being... Nechal eat them by a dog, and therefore there's no issue with that. All those can be used on Pesach without any question, without any issue. The question when it comes in is liquid form. Why is liquid form worse? So, Moshe Feinstein has a very interesting chuvu. he says that things in liquid form have the potential, the possibility, of distilling the chametz and removing it. Meaning that there are, let's say, perfumes and deodorants, things of that nature, which are liquid form, which do have what's called ethyl alcohol. Ethyl alcohol is a wheat-based alcohol. And it is something which is a hamet's issue, even though in its current state it is not no dogs in a drink, perfume, and they wouldn't use it. But Rav Moshe writes that for someone who is an alcoholic, so they would distill it and boil it out to try to remove whatever, however they do that, their alcohol contact in that, and potentially use it in their state of desperation. So reverse rights, therefore, that's something which even though you, in its current state wouldn't be an issue, since it's possible to still remove the hamsh from there, that should be not used on Pesach, that should be put away, should be sold, etc. And that's something to check into. Right? Very often you can look into you can look in the ingredients itself, the books will be helpful as well. Does it have ethyl alcohol? Ethyl alcohol is E-T-H-Y-L, that's a wheat-based alcohol, and that could often be seen if it's there. That's something which will be an issue in a liquid, because that's something which can be, again, potentially removed. The other issue, something which goes into the mouth or on the mouth, things as mouthwash, toothpaste, uh, lipstick even, which is again goes onto the mouth, those are things which are, by, by, by their very nature, they're made to be not kelev because they don't they want to make it that if you swallow some, you're not going to have any effect from that. And therefore they're made in a way which is very palatable. Mouthwash is not meant to drink. It's not meant to be a liquid and to drink it as, a, as Kool-Aid but it can be something which is not going to be an issue if it's consumed. And if, for those other things, the person needs to make sure that there's no issue of chametz in there. Again, those can have chametz in there, those can have different things, and again, those, those are the books come in handy to check in there or to be able to figure out from there is there any issue of chametz on those items. Beyond that, things which are either put onto the mouth, in the mouth, or liquid form, there is no concern or anything beyond that. It's something which a person can use without question, and whatever is whatever is in there is not going to be an issue because Nifsa Mechil is Do you have to use a new one of something
1: that's not really, like not. a mouthwash? That, if the mouthwash doesn't have common ingredients, you don't have
0: to take a new mouthwash. Correct, correct. But unless you bring it to breakfast table. Right. <laughs> right. But, yeah, you can use the same one. You can use the same toothpaste, etc. As long as there's no issue with it for, um, for Pesach, that would be, be fine. like lipstick,
1: unless somebody's reapplying lipstick in right. the middle of the meals it's
0: fine. Correct, correct. We can look at it no crumbs on there there's right. no, no, no no concern beyond that So that's just as as far as products maybe just to touch upon um for a a couple of minutes just the well, there's a lot of different other areas to get to you I know mean, touch on holidaylomade for a moment um just in terms of some quick rules Hollomade is often a time which gets overlooked and and not necessarily focused on properly. I just want to mention maybe really a few short points regarding Halamayit. Halamayit is Yantif, and, and often overlooked as Yantif. It's a Yantif, sort treats as Yantif. There's Isra Malacha on Halamayit, which we don't often look at. It, there's things which are asked to do on Halamayit. And therefore, it's clearly in Halacha, there are certain things which are more lenient, obviously, on Halamayit. The basic rule of Halamayit, it's a basic rule of thumb, which is just, will give a, a help in understanding what's, at least a Shailah, what's not a Shailah, is there's two types of Malachas that are often done when we deal with halamayid. It's called malachas uman, things which should take a professional to do, and malachas hege, which any regular person, average person can do. Things which take a malachas uman, which take a craftsman, take a professional to do, are generally not permissible on halamayid. With rare exceptions, this avid, if there's a loss, will come out as a result, which again, more rare exception, you're going to find those permissible. And those are all things that would take a professional, a, a craftsman, someone who's going to need to know what they're doing, to do it. Things which anyone can do, which call Malachas Hajja, anyone can do that. Those things are generally permissible, Halamoid, as long as there was called Sarah Hamoid, as long as there are a need for Halamoid. That means I mean, they need them on some level. For example, if I wanted to do, assemble something easily on which any average person can do, I need it for halamoid if you there's no problem with that. Those are the basic rules and just that's obviously a very oversimplification, but does give some criteria in terms of basically what's going to be Mutt, what's going to be asser, at least what's going to be a shaila. The two things which are nothing to do with this rule of Malachas Hedja Malachas Uman is laundry and haircuts those are two special Yisoum the Chazal gave for the basic reason they wanted a person to come into Yomtev prepared and with fresh clothing etc Chazal didn't want a person to say "You know what? why should I bother doing an Erev Yomtev and just I'll wear dirty clothing on Yamtif and then Cholamay I'll do that which again is not much, not, not much the way we would think but again especially in the days of old when they used to perhaps have one article of clothing, or very few, and wash by the river, uh, so there may be something, I'm busy Pesach cleaning, so I'm not going to wash clothing before i wash it on Cholamayid. it might be easier. And if a Chazal basically took laundry, even though it's a very simple act, anyone could do it, and that's something which is going to, going to be an issue, and same thing with haircuts. Those are the two basic um, issues of Khalamaid. Obviously for children, the reason why the Chazal felt it was different is because that children dirty things quickly, and because they're dirty things quickly, they need to be, even if they're washed beforehand, need to be washed again on Cholamoyd. Children basically are children who don't keep things clean like adults do, meaning that an adult generally will to wear something once, sometimes even twice, and a child who can't do that, um, those those clothing can be um, washed for them on Cholamoyd. Once a person's doing a wash, they cannot put adult clothing in there. That would not be permissible. It's only what's necessary for the child, and just in terms, of, in terms of that the only other aspect of Chalmaid just to mention is the idea of Pramakja, which is basically doing business, shopping things of that nature, where does that fit into Chalmaid so Chazal also wanted a person to use Chalmaid and think about Chalmaid as the antif and therefore the idea of doing business, even though it's not necessarily a, a, a Malachas Uman but buying and selling itself Chazal said that's something which should be off limits because that's going to take away from the sanctity of the Yom obviously things were necessary for either Chalmaid or the antif are fine any food, any drinks, any things necessary for halamoid is fine. That's that 's tzorah hamoid. A person can buy anything with tzorah hamoid. You don't have to be cheap or like or limit what you buy as long as whatever you need. But to buy for afterwards, it's not permissible. A person should not be buying things for not necessary for either halamoid or, or yom tov itself. It should limit things necessary. The exception may be something which is davar ave, which is a rare opportunity to buy it, to be a special sale, etc., Chazal, we're not encouraging someone to go find sales on Chalmaid, but if someone does a c- come across something, which is an unusual um, matziah opportunity, they can go do that by the Chalmaid. But barring that, a person should not be using it as a time for shopping, as time for buying things. Something which Chazal wanted to have to keep a certain sanctity, and therefore keep Chalmaid as a special day. It's just a basic overview of Chalmaid. I think it's just a it was short, but I think hopefully very um, important in terms of understanding how Cholamayim is viewed, at as a Yomtov and therefore has a lot of different criteria and requirements. Hopefully, we can use the Yomtov Pesach and the Yomtov in the most best, beautiful, uplifting way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Washing
2: towels.